Welcome to Talking Heels, where we have raw conversations about our daily stressors and the effectiveness on our spiritual, physical, and mental health. I am your host, Holistic Hybrid, and we are joined today by Danita Best. After kicking her substance abuse with marijuana, Danita shares with us the aftermath of losing her home, job, car, friendships of over 20 years, and a toxic relationship. So stay tuned. Grand rising to you, Danita. Welcome to Talking Heels. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good morning to you, sunshine. Hope your day is going well. How are you? I'm doing good. Just a little, a little under the weather. Okay. Well, we'll pray that that gets better, right? Yes. Yes, we will. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Talking Heels? I don't see no other way. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I do believe in that. Yes, I do. And why do you think so? Like what in your life makes you feel like, you know, when you get it all out there, it makes you feel somewhat, you know, at ease? Um, I think coming from a childhood where we just was supposed to um, do as adults told us to do and really didn't have a voice, especially in my generation, you know, like the 80s. Um, we weren't allowed to really communicate about how we were feeling or express ourselves or even ask the questions why. So being young and growing up, learning how to just be silent and pay attention to behaviors and not really understand why these things are happening um, and then transitioning into an adulthood, learning that my voice do matter and that the only way to get the necessary help or you know, advice or guidance that you had to communicate, you had to open up your mouth. And then having a child early on, I knew it was some things, in some ways I didn't want to raise him in the same manner that I was raised. So I knew in order to do that, I had to make a change. I had to do something different than what I was used to. So I absolutely agree with communicating and opening up your mouth. You know how they say a closed mouth can't get fed. Man. (laughs) That is true. I do. Yeah. Our parents, I'm not going to say like, you know, like they did us a a um, service, but it's just what they were taught. You know, like a child cannot, you know, just talk when they want to or ask certain questions. They're just supposed to, you know, carry on and do as they were told. And not knowing that, you know, that was a healthy way of communicating when we were young. Even now, a lot of us have a hard time communicate and you know what's going on in our minds right so i do i do understand that mm-hmm. I, but um so lately um with yours can you just let the viewers know like what's been going on with you um to where you know now you're starting to voice every um thing that's really going on with you basically Okay, well, I've always been a very transparent person. So anybody that's in my life or circle, or even people that I, I encounter with on a daily basis, 
I'm pretty much open and it has a lot to do with the fact that um, I'm a very creative person. So I write, I, you know, journal a lot. I'm always looking for inspiration and being raised where I wasn't able to voice. I'm very outspoken now. However, I never utilized my social plat, my social network platform to be as vocal. And um, just recently, um, I was on social, I was on Facebook and I see a lot of females that I know personally that are like hiding behind the reality of what their life is and they're putting on a facade at the front. And I, uh, someone really close to me was going through a situation and me and her are not even in communication, but I knew the situation was different than what she was putting on on Facebook. And um, I was watching um, on Ted, a guy named Guy Winch, and he was talking about heartbreak. And I was going to go post that on um, Facebook, but then all, all of a sudden the spirit led me and was like, no, tell your story. Mm-hmm. Um, look into you and talk about you. Use your social um, platform for something where you never know, might not only help you, but may help somebody else. So all of a sudden I just started typing and I just started exposing like what was really going on. Not like I was hiding, but if you wasn't like really like close to me or someone I communicated with, you really didn't know. So I only put up what I wanted to put up, but this time I just started typing. I didn't even mean for it to go that way actually, but I just started expressing like the real reality of my life. And it's like, you know, because people only knew she worked at Bank of America and she had this type of position or, you know, I had this type of car or I'm living in another state now. So, you know, on the outside looking in, it was like, OK, she's she's still up on her game. But I had just lost everything. Like I didn't have a car anymore. I didn't have a job anymore. Um, I didn't even have a place to live, you know, so I was like staying out of a car and making a routine out of that. And to be able to get that off of me. And all of a sudden, it's just, I started getting flooded with different um, inboxes of people like, oh, thank you for sharing that. You know, I've been there or encouraging words or people offering me to live with them or, you know, offering to send me money or saying if I ever need anything to pray with me, you know, just a lot of things because people were able to identify with that type of reality, as opposed to what we was putting up the facade about like, oh yeah, I just got a promotion or I got the new car, you know, cause I got some income tax money. It was just a whole nother ball game. And people are really afraid to be that transparent because you know, people don't want to be perceived a certain way or they try to make themselves believe that if I put this mask on and I show the world this, this is who I can become. But it's not until you get inside yourself and you really break all that stuff down and learn how to be comfortable with you without things that you really will start seeing the miracles really starting to take place and your life is going to change in a whole nother direction. So that's how it took place for me. That is true. Did it all just all happened at once or it was just like a, like, like a, like a chain link. Well, well, of course, with everything, it is a spiral effect. But, you know, when it's happening to you, you feel like it just happened. Like, wow, everything just got taken to me. But as I replay and I go back, you know, I could see the transition of it starting to happen. But I smoke a lot of 
marijuana at that time. So I was really in a drug-induced state of mind. So I could tell like something was going on, but I didn't care because I was always high. It was just like, I'm thinking I'm getting high to help me stay calm and anxiety, but I was really um, losing sight of reality. I was just letting things fall apart. So really it been falling apart, but it's just like, when it hits you and you like, oh shoot, then you realize like, oh my goodness, you know, like I don't have my car no more. Wait a minute, I don't have a place to live. So it just seems like it hits you all at once, but there are steps that it that happens to your life transitioning into that. I just was unaware until the crisis happened. And it was like, wow, I don't have anything no more because it's like, what else do I have to mask behind? Because once you don't have a job to go to or you don't have a place to sleep or you don't have the car and then you then I was losing friends you know and it wasn't even nothing that they was doing I was cutting them off so everything had this process and this journey and it was starting to transition I just wasn't aware of it because of you know smoking a lot of marijuana <laughs> in that mindset. did it um did the marijuana make you like feel numb you know what I mean? Um, like that, um, that tune out sensation. Yes. It not so much numb. Cause I was still feeling things, but I didn't care. I, it just gave me like, Oh, I don't care. I don't care. Like, Oh, well, I don't care. Just like Cat Williams was saying on one of his, um, comedy comics, um, up comedy shows he did. And he was talking about, Oh yeah. He was like, you want to not care about something? Go ahead and hit a blunt. And then, see how you feel about the bills afterwards. That's exactly how I felt. Like I just got so exhausted with trying mm-hmm. to figure things out that I was like, let me just get high. And all I would do is just get high and be in like a slumber state. Like I didn't care about nothing. Like credit cards, you know, was mm-hmm. going out the window. I wasn't paying no type of bill. It was to the point that even when they took my car, I didn't know why they took it. I was like in shock. Like why are y'all coming to take my car? Not realizing I took my car out of state. I never updated them about the insurance because I wasn't really far behind in my car. No Ford to repossess. I could have called them, but I didn't want to call nobody. I didn't care about that. Y'all could have that. You know, I had nice credit limits on my credit cards. Next thing you know, they were sending me emails like, what's going on? Like, you always pay your bills on time. And it was just like, what? I'm not, I didn't even want to read email. I didn't want to have nothing to do. I didn't care about bank accounts. I had like four different checking accounts, three different savings accounts. It was crazy. It was, and I just couldn't manage none of it. And I didn't care about managing any of it. Now I could relate in some, some ways because, you know, even in life and a lot of people I'm sure can relate where, you know, you have like so much weight on your shoulders that, um, you know, I have nothing against marijuana. I don't, because of course, you know, I have smoked in my life. But it was the fact of um, the, the weed did give you that sense of, look, I don't have to take care of that right now. You know, I could, it it, it motivates your procrastination. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I like it, that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. It does give that shit some motivation. Mm-hmm. But um, when you're like, when you're heavy and then you take a hit of that stuff, so you just tune, well, for me, I tuned out what my priorities were, you know, because it was just too much. And I felt as though, like, because it's too much, I could just make that shit go away with a blunt, you mm-hmm. know, until that high goes down and then you're like, oh God, I'm back in the same shit. And then I smoke another blunt and then another one and then another one and then another one. 
Mm-hmm. But I do, I do understand that. Um, so what, what was that turn in, um, that turn in moment where you're like, yo, like I seriously need to like, you know, just halt, get my shit, stop smoking. Like what, what moment did you like, all right, I need to do this. Well, actually it was, I was in a relationship. Now I ran from Delaware from one bad relationship, came down here, kicked it with another guy that didn't pan out. He tried to use me. And then I got into a whole nother relationship after knowing the guy for like a week, we was in a relationship. That's usually how it goes for me. I usually meet somebody and then we date and then it don't be just one sided. Like they want to lock me down too. So I know every time I transition out of, I'm like, oh, I'm going to spend time with myself and I'm not going to do it. However, what ended up happening, I happened to date somebody who was in the trucking field. And um, I didn't know nothing about trucks. I didn't know about how much money they made. I had no clue. All I knew was I couldn't stand trucks, period. They was on the roll. I hate passing them. Never understood the jobs or anything they you know, they was providing for a service they was providing for us. So mm-hmm. um, I was dating him and um, he winds up being a trucker and then he came off the road and then we started, he he was telling me, oh, you know, let's go do this together. And I, I didn't even know him, but I just always wanted to be safe. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. You know, just believe in him face value. And every time it was a disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, he wouldn't come through. But I was putting all my eggs in this one basket with this one person that I didn't know. He didn't know me. So um, one day I started paying attention to what he was doing, like as far as his work and what it was about. And I know when I was mentioning to some of my girlfriends back at home and I was like, um, yo, you know, I go with this guy and he, this what he does, girl, he made money. So I didn't really understand Then when I would find out how much he made, I wasn't really that impressed because I've made that kind of money. So, I mean, he might've made like a $200 more than what I've made, but I'm like, okay. But then one day I got invited on his truck. He asked me to come on. So I looked around and I was like, it got a bed in here. So I started finding out about trucking. So now because I like traveling the world, I'm thinking, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to start driving trucks because one, I knew at the age I was at in my life, which is 42, you know, I knew that I wouldn't be able to have that opportunity or be afforded the opportunity with the way that my life was set up. I'll be able to travel the world. Like I had that dream from when I was younger. So the truck driving would give me that opportunity working on the road. I didn't mind driving. I'm always moving around and I'm basically usually usually moving and shaking by myself so it wasn't really that hard so I started getting interested in trucking and I would ask him yo tell me about trucking I want to be a truck driver blah 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 blah. he didn't want that for me you know he didn't say no but he would not help me he wouldn't tell me nothing I would say let me see how it feels to drive the truck get behind the wheel or whatever nothing so um but I still kept researching but I had applied for some truck driving schools now in order to get in the truck driving school I had to stop smoking weed. I could not smoke weed if I wanted to go to school. So back in December, I had committed. I was like, all right, I'm not smoking no more weed. I'm not, forget the new year resolution. I wanted to start yeah. stop in December. I was like, I'm not going to smoke no more marijuana because this is what I want to do. So now I'm still in this toxic relationship, right? Because he's not really encouraging me, even though this is his profession. Now, he didn't mind me coming on the truck if I was going to sleep with him. 
or hang out with him, but I couldn't go on the truck to, you know, um, really start my profession. And then he even tried to get me to like work with him. So he's like, oh, well, you know, you could get on the truck with me and work with me and I'll train you. And he was like, I pay you $800. Now I'm not no fool. I'm not getting paid $800 when I could make more than that by myself. So I felt like, okay, he's not really going to help me. Let me go on my own. So I would try to stop smoking for like a week. And I had it all set up. I was going to a particular trucking school. I was going out of state. This was about to help me because at this time I had moved out of the person's house who I lived with. I had didn't have the job no more because I wouldn't take another position in a whole in four hours away. So I didn't really have nothing to hold me back. So I'm like, okay, I could do this because they're going to pay for me to stay there at the hotel room on campus and that you know different things was about to happen i'm about to get paid while i'm in training after the first three weeks they get the first three weeks they give you an advancement of 200 i was approved for unemployment so while you were on unemployment i would have been good because i've been training so i'm like okay i could do that and then after the three weeks when you become um tnt which is trainer and training you get paid 700 dollars a week working with a trainer so that could last anywhere for up to two months so i'm like oh i'm about to be back i don't have a car i don't have an apartment all i could do is just stack so my mind started um realizing like there's hope at the end of the road so um you know so i went a week without smoking then he would come back in he would come off the road because he went back on the road he would come off the road and he'll be like oh let's go to dinner and then he wouldn't show up because he was out doing whatever he was doing. And then when he came back, he knew I used to love smoking. So I used to be like, well, you got a blunt? He was like, I got some weed. So I would get enticed by that, right? I wasn't fully yeah. able to, to hold my ground because one, I didn't have no type of higher power or God guidance at all. I was still trying to do this on my own. And I was still allowing this person, I wouldn't relinquish this person from my life because I felt like it was better to have a little bit of something than nothing at all. So I dealt with that. So it kept going and it kept going and it kept going until one day I was out and I was working for Lyft and I went to go um, try to make some money. And the lady that I was renting the place from, she kept calling me and calling me and calling me, but I was trying to make some money and I wouldn't answer. When I came back, she was like, oh, I don't want you to stay here no more. I don't really like your boyfriend. Now, mind you, my boyfriend didn't stay there at the time. This was all just the excuse, but I knew this was a plan happening. So I mm -hmm. went back there. I took a shower, packed my stuff up, and then she came. She must have felt bad. She was like, do you got some place to go? But my pride was there now. I was like, oh, no, how dare you try to put me out? I think you're going to wheel me back in. But I really needed to humble myself, but I wouldn't. So I said, yeah, I do. So that night, I went to the hotel and um, I paid for it. He came, but I paid for it. Now he's the trucker with the job and I'm the one who's on unemployment, right? But I, I'm just getting approved for unemployment. So come to find out the check I thought was in the mail was in the mail. So that's where it definitely started going out of control. So he wouldn't help me. He would just, he watched me go through this and he would not help me. Now, mind you, I'm getting put out because the lady said it's you. I can't really blame you. But this is what's happening and you're not even helping me. You got the means and the funds. So I asked them. I said, listen, I said, why don't you let me get on the truck with you for two weeks? Because I know about the rider pass and everything. Because like I said, I had been doing my research. So I was like, let me get on the truck with you for two weeks. I can stack my check. Now, mind you, that'll bring me up to, because I'm getting 330 a week. So that'll bring me up to 660 
for two weeks. All I need six sixty. Boom, I could put a down payment on another Airbnb or something. I could do something, but I wouldn't have to pay nothing. And I said I won't be a burden because I'll take care of myself. So he w- he wouldn't do it. The only way he was doing it if I signed on being uh, employee. So I had filled out the application and everything. I was stressed out because I knew I didn't want to work with him. I knew we was not going to make, because eventually in my mind, I'm leaving you. I just yeah. need a way out. So he wouldn't help me. Um, not after that, I wind up um, filling out the application or whatever, and I just couldn't do it. I could not make bring myself to do it. I, called, I told him I wasn't going to do it. I just made up my mind. I said, this is it. I'm done. I'm over. I'm struggling too much. What is the point of me struggling and saying I have somebody? So I wound up just letting go of that relationship, which was really challenging. As Well, we kind of let go of each other. He started doing, he been doing stuff, but he really started doing stuff. But now I'm becoming more and more awake. But the reality of my awakening came when that last time I saw him and I had been clean for like a week. Again, I did another week. Again, this is after January. And he came and bought the blunt in the thing. And I was like, once I woke up, I said, he means me no good. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to go to trucking school and get my life in order if I keep using marijuana. I can't even apply for jobs because I know I'm filthy because I was smoking like eight blunts a day. It was no stopping me. And imagine that and drinking. So I didn't even talk about the drinking. So I said, this is it. So um, after that, you know, I just started driving around. I was just like, I can't live like this. Every day I would be crying. Like anything somebody would say, I would start crying, crying, crying. And I just was like, dang, it's no, I, I don't know what to do. I, I really realized how, how my life was spiraling out of control. And I felt like I had no control. And then one day, I came to North Carolina. Somebody else told me, another female, after I shared that story on here, told me, come out here. I got you. You know, I'm paid for a couple of days of a hotel room. When, you know, I got there, it was a whole different ball game, you know, from the promises that was made. Because I wouldn't have traveled from Georgia to North Carolina to go do this. So I was in a room, and I had been sitting there the, that day. She paid for that Saturday, and it came Sunday, and I had to call her. She wasn't even going to call me. I had to call her and be like, um, you know, could I borrow the money um, to pay for the room? Because she wasn't. Now, she said days. She got me in here. Because now in her mind, she wanted me to go to some shelter, do some program, which would have been good if I was staying there. But I knew February 11th, I was leaving. Now, this is January we talking about. So I knew I was going to have my, I was hoping I was going to be clean by then. I was another false delusion. So she wound up um, not coming through. After that, I sat in that hotel room and I just cried every day. I would wake up crying, crying like like it was just crazy. So my sister-in-law, um, God used her. She really is the one who spoke to me. Um, right before that, I had got a demonic spirit on me. So in doing that, um, that spirit had took over me and it had told me, kill yourself. Look, you can't, you not pack, because I bought a drug test. I should have never did that to my psyche because I was only two weeks clean. Now I'm mm-hmm. smoking like a half ounce every three days, right? So mm-hmm. I thought in my mind, I was clean. So I took a drug test that sent me into a bigger depression than what I was, but I felt this depression. And then my mind started telling me, because the guy had reached out to me. So I had talked to him and everything, but 
he he's the one who used to always talk about suicide every week i was talking him off the ledge so finally it was it was me i was carrying this spirit so i said kill yourself it, you ain't even worth living listen you ain't coming out this hole it's gonna be too much it's too hard just go it's over you know, so I was like, what? But I still had God's spirit. And then my sister-in-law, she called me and she was like, listen, I don't want you to ask nobody for no advice, not even me. Stop asking. She was like, lock yourself in a room, turn your phone off. And she said, and just sit there. And then when you come out, just talk about what you're going to do. And that's the time I just spent with God praying. And I just started listening to mad inspiration stuff. And then one day I woke up, I wasn't crying. Ever since then, I took flight since then. So the turning point came basically like I'll say about two weeks ago, being in that hotel room by myself. And that's when I started seeing the people around me, I, friends I had been with for 20 years, no longer friends. Like, And it was OK. I was not afraid no more. I said I cut all my hair off again. I don't mind wearing short haircut, but I like had cut my hair off. So I was fully vulnerable. My skin had broken out because all I was doing was smoking, wasn't drinking no water. So you could see all everything. You know, my lips yeah. was chapped and black spots, everything. Like I was completely vulnerable, but for once I was sitting with myself and I was like, okay, now what you gonna do? You have nothing to hide behind. You can't hide behind the car. You can't hide behind the job title. You can't hide behind having a nice apartment because all them things I always kept up for years. So what mm -hmm. are you gonna do now? So I'm fully exposed. And then I just started walking through that. I started working out and I started getting myself together. And I was like, Okay, it's your time. It's your time to love yourself. This is what the journey is about to be for you. And that's how it turned. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Wow. I commend you that it takes a lot of guts to actually sit there and look in the mirror. When I mean mirror, and to, you know, look at yourself like, damn, all right, I'm going to have to deal with myself before I could deal with anybody or anything else. That should take guts. Okay, it's <laughs> one of the scariest things ever. It really and, is. Yeah, it was. And it's even scary because when you look at yourself, you be like the reality set. And you be like, I walked around people like this. Like, I'm mm -hmm. telling you, like, my lips is checked. And I already have big, full lips anyway. So I could only imagine what people were seeing. But I was walking around here like a zombie and was so unaware. That's when I knew it doesn't matter what type of drug you do. If you do anything in excess like that, it will take you down because I'm thinking because it's just marijuana, it's not that bad. But And I promise you, I wasn't doing anything other than marijuana and drinking and it took me down as if I was a full-fledged cracker. The only thing I wasn't doing was selling myself and stealing. But who knows how long that would have last because I had no job, so I was going to supply my habit. You know what I'm saying? I had no place to live. Anything could have started transitioning. So I'm grateful that that became my bottom and it didn't have to go worse than that, especially coming from two parents. You know, I was born with heroin in my system. So you would think I would be conscious and aware that I really need to be treading lightly about any type of substance, even alcohol, mm -hmm. you know? So... Mm. Wow. So um, do you think that uh, with dealing with relationships, do you think that a lot of uh, people out there, they feed off of when people are down? You know what I mean? Like they, it's like they have like this sixth sense of knowing like, you know, you're very vulnerable and you're in like somewhat of a corner and they just keep using and using and using that person only because they don't have, you know, like 
um, a hold on their own lives? Um, absolutely. I believe that it goes both ways, though, because whatever energy and spirit that you have on you, you're attracting that. So in my mind, I never felt how I'm going to feel valuable when my parents abandoned me. You know, my grandma raised me. My, I was five years old. My dad said he was going to the store. He was coming back with my lollipop. He never came back. I didn't see him till I was 22 years old. You know, and my mom, she was always chased behind a relationship because my dad got a strung out, you know, on drugs. And then they did a menage a trois. And he left her for a best friend and went and married her. So I already had, like, things that was working against me feeling abandoned and not really understanding what it meant for a man to love you and finding that validation. Then I was raised as a Jehovah witness kid. So we was already getting picked on for being that. Cause you know, we was the different kids in the school. Wasn't saying the pledge of allegiance, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm being raised by my grandma. So she very strict, not celebrating holidays. We were in the same clothes two days in a row, but she kept us very, very clean. That's why even, in a situation where me living in a car, I had my gym membership. So because I slept in the car, my body would hurt. I would go to the gym, get a massage from there, and then jump in the shower. I always did that. And then I went to the bookstore. So that was my routine. Every single day, I made sure I washed my butt. So, um, and that came from that type of survival. So in a relationship, when you don't have the people that birth you on earth, to give you that validation, you seeking that, you know, you feel in that void because in my family, it wasn't like I came, my God, God knows I'm grateful for my family, you know, that they did whatever they did with the best they had, but they're not my real parents. And we knew that, you know, it's mm-hmm. me and my siblings, but I knew because they like, oh, y'all the little dirty kids that we had to come save, you know, so your mama is a drunk, your daddy gone. So we kept hearing that, hearing that, hearing that over and over again. So now I'm trying to find love in all these men because all these men are my dads that I'm dating. They all yeah. have the same attribute, characteristics, but because I was so desperate for love, I... I attracted them and they attracted me. So it wasn't only that they saw something in me, you know, to keep me down. I saw something in them to make me feel good. So we're using each other. We're not consciously aware that this is happening because you don't really want to go into a situation like, oh, I love you, but I'm going to drag you unless you know that you're on that type time. You know, I'm going in there with pure intentions, not realizing that I don't even really When I think about it, I don't even really love these people. I just love who I want them to be. And that's where the struggle comes from. Because I didn't accept who they were. I'm trying to make them be somebody who they're not. And I'm overly identifying. They saying little stuff, just like the guy just told you, the trucker. He wasn't even doing nothing. Nothing. It was no reason for me to be in that relationship. But because he made promises the same way my dad did, and I wanted to believe it, and believe somebody's going to come through with a promise and somebody was going to save me, I stuck in that. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to attract what we put out there. So now, the more that my confidence is up and my worth and my value has to be coming up, I don't really, you know, have time for that foolishness. And it feels good because right after that, this is how the enemy will come. So after that, when I was like, oh, no, I ain't going to really deal with nobody like that. I'm walking through the hotel. The guy was like, excuse me. And now he was like, Miss Cax, you saying he was like, you got a man? Yes, I do. Stay away from me. I got one. I didn't even have a man, girl. Yes, I do. I don't even want that. Your pants are sagging. That's number. I looked at him for what he was. Like, I'm 42. What I'm doing, I don't even like my son wearing his pants sagging. So I'm not going nowhere with you. 
and then you like, excuse me, miss, you couldn't even walk down to the hallway and come talk to me. You uh uh-uh. so you know I'm just very conscious now. Yes, you gotta have that tunnel vision. Get what mm-hmm. you want for you. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, I appreciate you sharing your story with us. Oh, it was my pleasure. I enjoy it. It's no problem. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> and we are wishing you well on your journey to becoming, you know, um, a truck driver and loving yourself and hoping that the universe grants you with everything that you desire in life. Oh, I thank you. And thanks for setting that intentions. I'm not hoping. I know it's coming. And yes, I appreciate it. Coming. <laughs> yes, you have a blessed day, Danita, and thank you. Thank you. You as well, Ma. All right, bye. All right, bye-bye. Hey, guys. Thank you for joining us at Talking Heels. I'm your host, Holistic Hybrid. You can catch us here every weekend at 9 a.m. on Anchor.fm. I want to thank my guests, Danita Best, and to you all for tuning in. Don't forget to hit that favorite button so when new episodes drop, you'll be alert. Wishing you all an amazing day. Peace.